You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. So last week there was a press trip to the Causeway Coast in Northern Ireland that I unfortunately could not make. But when I saw posts about it on social media, I had a serious case of FOMO. So rather than festering over it, I fired off a message to chef writer and presenter Paula McIntyre, who had extended the invitation and asked her if she had time to have a chat with me about the trip. Fortunately, she did. So let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Paula, thanks so much for joining me today on The Best Possible Taste. You're an incredible woman. I was Googling you last night and you've done this, that and everything else. I said, <laughs> we won't have enough time to talk about Paula's career from when she started. And if we do, people think she's about 105. Uh, I'm not too far off it. <laughs> You're a good bit off. They like it today. <laughs> So you're a brilliant ambassador for Northern Ireland, Paula, and all the wonderful ingredients and restaurants that, that we have up in that mm-hmm. part of Ireland. Let's go back to where it all started. And you grew up in a family, I presume, where there was lots of wholesome cooking and baking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My parents were, were both teachers, so it was like a not farmers. Everybody thinks I come from a farming background. When we were surrounded by farms, but not, but it wasn't like that. But um, my mother was a very adventurous cook, actually. So there was lots of wholesome cooking, but we had friends in Edinburgh. And I remember one of those moments for me was when I visited the first time I was eight at the time, Valvona and Crolla, Italian deli in, in, in Leith. And that's when I fell in love with Italian food. And I remember my mother used to buy the proper parmesan. This was in the, this was in the 70s. <laughs> and she used to bring blocks of parmesan back. And our friend Nora would have sent over parmesan. And in those days, Parmesan was a wee tub. It was ambient and it smelled a book. So this was proper. Par- and I remember the first time I'd smell, I remember the first time somebody put that down, they said, oh, Parmesan. I said, oh, I love Parmesan. And they put this out. And I'm like, what is this? No. So, and I suppose there was a lot of that. And, you know, um, there was, my mother would have been pretty adventurous and uh, a good cook herself. And, and there was always that thing, kind of thing. And then by the same token, you know, the neighbour across the road would have been, had a, every other day was a baking day on the griddle and her, me and, and her grandson would have sat and she would have been feeding us pancakes and then she'd have made sodas and honestly every time I make a soda now Sharon I still think of Mrs Hunter from across the road That's and funny. the smell always comes back to me you know it's funny how things you know smells can bring memories and always you know when you smell that nice wee bit of scorched flour on a griddle always brings me right back and I always think it's really strange that Northern Ireland wasn't into the Italian cuisine a bit quicker because, you know, down in, in on the North Antrim coast there in the Causeway coast, Morellis were there, oh. as I can remember, with the ice. Oh, no. Yeah, I think it was more of the more of the sweet side of thing they were oh. appealing to, you know, and it was like, cause I mean, I, I'm friendly with them, you know, so and I go to, out to their place in Italy, which is fantastic. But um, they were always bringing over you know, salamis and stuff, you know, years and years ago and everything like that. But it's only it's only really recently, um, you know, that it's sort of Italian food has come, you know, to this country, isn't it? It's really, oh, yeah. you know, there's a couple, there's a really, I haven't been to it yet, but apparently there's a really good authentic Italian deli in Belfast now, and it's on the Craig Road, which isn't really, you know, 
it's not that was in Belfast. No, so that and it's great to see things like that happening, isn't it? Because it really brings an area up, you know. But apparently, it's brilliant. So I'll have to have that on my list. And tell me, at what point then did you decide that cooking was going to be your career? Well, um, for, I always loved restaurants. You know, just you know the smell of them and just everything about it, and that, and um, and the chefs that come out in their big talks. And I see a chef on a talk, and I think, oh, why? Hello, <laughs> <You know? laughs> making up for something, dear. And, uh, <laughs> so it was like, but at that time, you know, when you're ten, it's like a big deal. Um, friends of ours had a restaurant in Akadui, where I'm from, uh, called McDuff's, and uh, I kept gurning at Margaret, who was a chef um, that owned it. Um, can I? I want to work in the restaurant. So she says you can't work until you're fourteen. So my fourteenth birthday coincided with a Friday. So I uh, started working in restaurants on my 14th birthday. And um, that was, I remember her saying, you can't start working. And I said, no, I want to work. So 14. And that's that, that was every weekend. And it was quite funky um, because they would have done, um, Joey, the, the guy that owned it as well, he was front of house. But he, they would have gone to London, you know, and brought back spices. And he would have ground the spices in the porter, mortar and pestle. Nobody was doing that then. And they got a name for a curry. You know, and that was, you know, and it was really, I mean, to my on-train palate, it was like catching fire, you know. Now, looking back, it probably was quite mild. And they had the wee, um, you know, the wee condiments on the side, you know, the the, the yogurt and the mint and the, the the sliced banana tossed in coconut. And this was the last word. And and, and, and people used to travel, like, for, for miles to go to this place. It was, you know. It was great. It was lovely, and it was uh, when I look back now, you know, there was um, there was a lot. They had tabbouleh salad on, wow, and they didn't have prawn cocktail. They called it. They served it in a wee wooden bowl, and they called it prawns Alabama. <laughs> but it was prawn cocktail. You know that I'll say, and Sharon, if you get the if you get the the name for being an early riser, you can lie in the twelve. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, but it was it was great. You know, it was and um, and she made pate. And it was like that. Everybody you know it was you know, but that was good. That gave me an insight into it. You know, into into what you know restaurants. So, did you stay on at school and do your A levels? Because I, I did. Have, yeah, having two parents, both parents being teachers, I don't think there was any option no. for A levels. No, me leaving school at sixteen at that stage would have been that would have been worse than you know anything. You know, so I the compromise was that I would go on to do um to go to college or go to uni and do you know like a degree in I think it was in the, in hospitality management and uh but I didn't do you know what I didn't really want to do that <laughs> I just wanted to cook and I, I remember at the school when I was doing A levels um they want I would have been a, a online to go they would have wanted me to go online to go and do maybe uh law in those stages if you do an art subject you have to go and do law or you have to go and do and I would no more wanted to do anything academic. And I discovered a course in the Belfast College of Business Studies, the College of Knowledge, where you did six weeks in industry and six weeks and they paid for everything. So it was a two year course and there was management in it. And I thought, you need to, I need to know my accounts if I'm going to. And um, I, I, I didn't do that well on my A-level, Sharon. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> and then. It was like my mom and dad wanted me to go back and repeat mail. The school were horrified. You know, it was like, you want to cook? You know, this was like the worst thing. It was like, oh, 
you know, this is the worst thing when you go to a grammar school and you say you want it and that you want to cook. It's like, oh, oh, no. And of course, you know, the catering college was there in Portrush at the time. And I, I wasn't for some reason, I wasn't interested in going to it. Okay. You no, know, I was more I, I wanted to do a wee bit of management. And this course in Belfast allowed you to do placements for six weeks. And then you did you went back into college and you did you did that whole management side of it and also practical cooking as well. So it was to me, it was the best of both worlds. And, you know, see now, Sharon, have all these modern apprenticeships. And I think that's the way to go. I don't think, and this is controversial, catering should ever be made an academic subject. You know, I taught in the culinary arts programme when it first came to the catering college in Portrush. And I remember thinking, this is top heavy with, you know, with, with academia. It needs to be, you know, I've, I've, I've had students in the past have gone and done culinary arts and have come back to me and said, Paula, we do two hours cooking a week, you know, and it's not, I think you need to, I mean, I'm all for academia, you know, having qualifications, but I think, you know, you need to work as well. You need to work somewhere. Yeah. And I think it is the balance between I yeah. think, knowing how to cook. Obviously that's the number one skill, but also that being able to manage the costs and portions yeah. and things like that. Excellent. Really uh, everything. And the legal side of it, the whole legal side of, of it, we, we did, we did law. And you know, and when we were doing that course in Belfast, which was actually an excellent course when I look back on it, we we're lucky to have really good lectures on it. But I mean, we we would have been kept on top of things like that. And I remember one of my lectures; she always went to London in the summer to work somewhere, and then she'd come back full of ideas, you know. And it was you know, it was great, you know. And I think we need to go back a wee bit now, and maybe just you know, there's so much you know now, and actually get back and show kids how to fillet a fish go back and do that whole thing and you know I don't know it's like a, a, you know I've been watching Great British Menu and some of the some of the knife skills are even a wee bit sus just think you're not you're not that fast mm-hmm. <laughs> that was always the thing when I was learning how to cook was getting your speed up yeah. you know it's always you know it's all right having you know learning having to chop you need to chop fast mm-hmm. you need to you know fill it fast you know at what point did you go to the States then? So what happened was I had I'd finished in Belfast and I'd moved to London. And I was uh, working in um, Langens in London, opposite the Ritz. And uh, and I had decided that I'd wanted, at this stage now, I wanted Prue Leaf, had a Michelin-starred restaurant in, uh, in Kensington High Road. And I wanted to work for Prue Leaf. She was like, that was, you know, and even then, I know she's famous for Bake Off now, but I thought I want to go. So I went to uh, for a day's trial in her restaurant. And at the end of the trial, they said, right, start Monday morning. And I'm thinking, my God, this, I'm, I'm actually doing this. And I went back to I went back to the flat I was staying in and there was a letter from my mother, and it, which I would normally put in the bin because it was always a lecture, you know, about, you know, but on the back of the envelope, don't throw this in the bin <laughs> because it's good news. You knew so well. <laughs> I had even it was one of my one of my flatmates that said, "There's a there's a letter for you, and just don't throw it in the bin because your mother's written on the back of it." <laughs> so I rang and she said, "Oh, you've got a you've got a scholarship to America to Johnston and Wales, and Providence." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And I said, "But I've got a job with Prue Leaf," and she said. Bugger pre-lease, she'll be there when you come back. <laughs> this is only for three months. So right, right, great. And I remember going back to um uh to the the flat was staying in, and I was living in a flat with a friend from Ballamoney, but there was a couple of guys who were 
were from Singapore but had gone through the American college system, our school system. And I said, well, where's Providence? And I've never heard of it. No, so it's the it's in Rhode Island. So they'd never heard of it. So that was uh, so that I went out. I went out there, and it was just amazing. You know, it was the minute I got there, I thought, oh God, this is great. You know, six students from Ireland went over. I think it must have been about twenty at the time. And I remember we got off the, you know, just got off the plane, and it was just so exciting. And and uh, we went to college. We we, we slipped into sophomore year, and we went to, and it was just pure culinary arts. Monday to Thursday and then on the college had said to us now if you want to join any of the clubs join the clubs and so I did them all ice carving society Sharon wow. you know? amazing hi it was great getting a chainsaw it really appealed to me and uh and then uh at, at the weekend then they said at the weekend they seemed to have open weekends every weekend and they said to me look they said to us all we have open weekends and if you want to come and learn you know if you want to come help us at the weekend you can you know because the lecturers always had like a, a kitchen and uh and I said right that'd be great so I went along the rest of them were away visiting relatives I had no relatives in America you know so they were all going away at the weekends or couldn't be bothered you know so uh I did this and it was great because you you, you learned so much more then because they were really you know pushing the boat out and showing off and uh and that, that was fantastic you know and and I mean, I mean, you know, the lecturers sort of took me under their wing as well. This is another thing. And they were like, uh, you know, they were they were they would t- say to you, you know, um, come back to from, come, do you want to come back to our house for dinner tonight? And would have gone back, you know. And I'm, so you're making friendships. And, and it's a, it was a that was a completely different side to it. It was only a day, it was maybe only a Saturday or a Friday afternoon. Uh, and then at the end of the whole thing, the dean called me into the office and said, look, we have an international scholarship every year and we'd like to give it to you. So I thought that's great. So I went back to went back and worked in London for a while and then came over um, in the middle of the summer to start that. Did that for a couple of years. That was just, you know, amazing. It, it sounds absolutely amazing, Paula, and that it kind of just all happened, you know, because people could see your passion and your dedication. Yeah. yeah, it was, I mean, it was just, you know, it was, I think there was always a bit of luck involved. But then the, only, the other thing is when somebody gives you an opportunity, you have to make the most of it. You know, somebody, somebody handed me that on the lap, but didn't have to apply for it. I wasn't expecting it. And I thought, well, the least I can do is, you know, embrace it and make the most of it. And it was, it was an amazing experience, you know lifelong friends out of it you know that's another thing you know and were you sorry leaving there to come back to was it the UK was it Manchester you went I, after that I came back to Northern for a wee while but I was I have to admit now I was unsettled for a while because you, you, you I was the only Irish student on campus on the east coast of America so I was kind of like uh, you know everybody so you know there was that wee element of nearly celebrity you know, because it was, you know, so, and they wheeled me out all the time. And then they come back to here and it was like, ah, you're only an arsehole, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> so I'm just a complete downer. So I worked here for a while and then I went to Manchester. So I had a friend in Manchester and I thought, I always like the city. And I eventually opened a restaurant in Manchester. So, um, and uh, too young, I was too young. I was 26. But anyway, that was uh, actually what well, I was 24. So I did that for five years. I learned that I'm allergic to VAT. 
So that's that. <laughs> <Aren't> we, all? <laughs> we all. But isn't it great that you have that experience? Because I presume you mentor and you're working with other young people that have ambitions, and that you are able to to see it from the other side and the management side okay. and your real life experience of it. Yeah, I mean, I taught for 20 years. I mean, I worked in restaurants and then eventually, you know, you sort of get to the point where you think this is not, you know, sustainable. It wasn't even it wasn't even the physicality of it. It was more, you know, just a missing out and I can't go out for dinner on a Friday night. I can't go dinner. You know, you can't go a wee weekend away. So I got into teaching for that reason. And at the beginning, I started teaching Catering College in Portrush and show the students that I had then, Sharon, oh, my God, they were just dreams. They were just lovely. They were just so, uh, um, you know, they they would have embraced the whole thing and they would have been running restaurants in the college and there'd have been a whole big drama of something that gone wrong. They, they took it so to heart and they, you know, and it was like, oh, you know, and I, even now I still would bump into them. You know, that's like 22 years ago and I still bump into them and they're, a lot of them are still working in hospitality and it's just lovely to see, you know. So pre-COVID, you, you stopped teaching? It was I was down to one day a week and I think I had come to a natural end anyway. That one day a week was sort of getting in the way. And of course, you, you probably had so many other projects to, to focus on then because you've written some cookbooks, you've done uh, a number of TV series, you do cookery demonstrations at um, various different events. And as I said, like you are a great ambassador for Northern Ireland. So you know, tourism, Northern Ireland and organisations like that wheel you out every now and again. She used expression you used earlier for whenever you were Irish in, in the college in America. Um, tell me about like the first book opportunity that you had and how that came about. Um, I think now the book, I've been doing radio, um, the John Toll Show, it was a Saturday magazine since 2004. And then it was a, a a scout for Gillen McMillan had contacted me about doing a book and I'm thinking oh my god you know so I remember um, putting together a chapter and what I wanted to do and the idea and then getting back to me just before Christmas say we're going to commission it so that would have been 2007 and then that was the first book came out so that was very exciting you know and it was uh, it was great and then I didn't do another book for seven years I do a book every seven years Sharon so I brought out one last year so 2008 to 2015 and then 2022 so it'll be another 2029 before I do another one <laughs> and was the 2022 one focusing on Hamley Kitchen it wasn't actually it was Taste Causeway one for our, our food network so it's a wee hardback book um, and that was just about all the producers and there's recipes in it and everything no the Hamley Kitchen cookbook has not come about I, I would love to do a Hamley Kitchen book and it's there you know it's sitting there absolutely <laughs> you know? yeah you know, the recipes are there we just need a couple of days couple of weeks for photography and yeah. hopefully that well, I'd love to do that would I would love to do a Hamley Kitchen book you know that would be that would be a big goal to do that you know and I love you on Hamley Kitchen Paula because you're so reserved and you're so polite yeah. and you know you're in this very <laughs> kitchen and, and, and you're talking yeah. about you know, the recipes that you use are have an Ulster Scots theme, don't they? And yeah. some of them are from, are they from your grandmother's cookbook? Well, it's actually WA cookbook. And then we've got, are you, sorry, it's, not, it's a Florence Irwin cookbook, The Cooking Woman from the 1930s. It's a great book. If you ever, if you ever, if you ever see it, Sharon, it's a fantastic book. I, it's Ulster, it's Ulster Scots language funded, the the series. So, um, and, and I mean, I, that, that side of it, you know, 
I think it's important to keep all language, all words and language going, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think it's maybe, and I think it's maybe tapped into people, you know, because they sort of think, oh, I remember my granny cooking that, or oh, look, I haven't seen that for years. So, you know, brought brought back the turnip, Sharon. You know, things like that. We did few turn always have always turnip recipes and you know old fashioned even even a soda far you know it's an easy thing to make but it's also an easy thing to mess up so I think there's a lot of you know there's a few things like that you know that were that um and uh I think this this series now um we're we're doing you know again more of the same and and sort of uh maybe a an embellishment of traditional things and that's it. But we look we fantastic ingredients in this country, the whole country, haven't we? You know, it's like, and I remember um, always, you know, maybe about 15 years ago, going down to Cork and thinking the food scene down there. And, oh, my God, this is just the last word. and Everything about it. I remember going out to Ballymaloo and just everything. You would have stopped in a wee cafe and it would have just been, you know, beautiful. And people were selling things. And there were markets popping up. And we have that now thankfully in the north but it's taken us a while you know we'd no cheese makers a while ago you know not that but 10 years ago there are no northern cheese makers and yet the you know the cheese making scene in the south has been going on for decades you know so it's like i think we're getting there and i think and thanks to tourism northern ireland and tourism ireland there there's no border now with tourism and by i think by you know, and and going on with that, I think there's not really a border with food anymore or drink. Tourism tourists don't look at an island and see it. They think I want to go to Donegal. I want to go and play golf in Portrush, and I want to go to Dublin, and I want to go to Galway now. And I think that's that's the great thing, and the, and to have all of this joined up, thinking now between the, and it's just it's one island. You know, I think that that whole taste tasty island was great, wasn't it? Taste Causeway, as you say, is a great promoter of everything in the north. And you had a couple of journalists over, I could see on your on the social media, and they were posting about 